going back home and love playing, uh, you know, in front of friends and family. And it'll be a really cool experience for him to do that, uh, obviously, for the first time. So um, I just got to take it all in and, and go out there and have fun and compete. And, um, you know, we still got a job to do. So it's kind of like that next wave. Um, you know, guys coming up with himself, uh, Josh Stone, um, you know, those two kind of play with each other. Uh, I still forget I'm like five, six years older than Izzy, so it's like, um, it's really cool to be on the same team and playing together and um, knowing that our, you know, where our roots go back to, it's, it's going to be really cool to go play uh, play at home. So yeah, it's always nice to, to have that day and, you know, just be able to spend time with some family, some friends. Hopefully the weather will be, be nice uh, to get some sun and just kind of enjoy, relax uh, and have that day, but obviously, um, you know, we know we've got to be prepared come uh, come Wednesday. Um, you know, the road trip's just starting, so got to make sure we're staying focused and uh, committed to what we're trying to accomplish here. What a pro. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Austin Matthews, and Nisey returning to Arizona tonight, 10 o'clock, uh, against the Arizona Coyotes. I'm five or six old, years older than Nisey. I'm yeah. like, geez, you shouldn't even be allowed to be five or six years older than anybody that yeah. has a job, let alone, like, a teammate of yours. It's Yeah, it's funny. Like, he is... This happens with guys who break in at this age, right? Of a sage veteran, Austin Matthews, at 26 years old. It's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, he says he forgets sometimes that he's five years old. I never forget how old I am. I really, like, I always just feel I'm, old. I actually am bad for that. I think maybe it's, like, the mid-30s of it all that it's, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not I'm not 35 You're yet. right. No, the number, although, like, I'm at a nice round yeah, one now. exactly. But yeah, you're right. The number I can forget, but like I just like the oh, feeling the, aged. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, older than dirt is how I feel every mm-hmm. single day. So yeah, I don't, I, I cannot uh, relate, but I also can't relate to just about anything in Austin Matthews' life. So uh, feels fitting. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, Austin Matthews, a chance to crack the 50 goal barrier tonight in his home state of Arizona, despite the fact he's born in California. But mm-hmm. no, he's an Arizona guy. Okay. Yeah. Grew up in Arizona and. It's uh, allowed. Yeah, Same. obviously, you know, the Coyotes were a formative experience for him. Didn't play at this place. Um, no. Nope. So this is a different experience for him. But, yeah, he sees those jerseys. I'm sure that it conjures up some nice little memories. We talked a little bit about that and how things have changed for Leaf fans over well, the years. And just speaking of him in the desert, and it's funny, like I'm sure it'll pop up again tonight is – that he was in attendance for, in my opinion, like one of the more overrated goals in NHL history. But Ovechkin's like rolling on his back, tucking it in against the Coyotes. It's Mm -hmm. like Ovechkin scoring that goal with Wayne Gretzky on the bench and a young Austin Matthews in attendance is among the greatest pieces of NHL folklore that we have. Like all the guys who scored the goals for, I don't know, two decades or three, four decades. Who was the goalie there who was just like helplessly out of position, like at center ice on that thing? Okay, so not to go far No, please, I could talk about this for a hundred years. A second. I don't think it's overrated because it is incredible, and it's unlike any goal I've ever seen before. Like Quentin Byfield, God, yesterday, too, mm-hmm. what an incredible goal! Very nice. But like, it's very ra- we've seen Quentin Byfield goals before. It's like Connor McDavid does it. Like Brian Boucher weekly. was the goalie. FYI. Okay, we we see incredible goals like that where you go through, you carve through like seven guys, yeah. not seven because there's only five on the ice right. at a time. No, McDavid's done it where he's like doubled back and be like, you know what? You can get it again. We've Morgan, seen, get over here. We've seen that before. It doesn't take too much away from the incredible nature of it. Yeah. But Alex Ovechkin on his belly flipping the puck yep. along the ice into the goal We'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. We've never seen it since. And it, yeah, Brian Boucher, like that's, what are you doing? I don't know. But 
But the the fact that he was helplessly out of position allows the puck to go into the net and mm-hmm. and a, a, a very unique goal. I don't know if it's overrated. You're right. Like from a skill perspective, what Quinton Byfield did yesterday, what Connor McDavid does three times a month is more impressive <laughs> yeah. from a skill perspective, but just as an outlier goal. I think that's properly rated. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people do rate it too high, and it's just like I'm looking again. Like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll keep our fighting in house here. I'm looking at a YouTube video from Sportsnet titled "Ovechkin's Magical Goal from His Back," named "Greatest Goal of the mm. 21st Century." It's an incredibly coordinated play. Mm-hmm. It is maybe the most coordinated thing I have ever seen on hockey skates, and I guess he wasn't even on, I sound like an American here, on skates, that he wasn't what even on them. great ice hockey goal. Yeah, I know. I'm so mad at myself for doing <laughs> that just now. But the it's very coordinated. Uh, but to your point, I will take a hockey play, like a real hockey goal of snipe it, you know, one of walk the, down the wing, snipe, like Connor go Connor McDavid, goal. do Matthews. Just even, like, it's like, you know what I like? I like... Matthew Nye's goal the other night say. better than yeah. I do that Ovechkin oh. one of him rolling around on his belly. It's oh. very impressive. But. Oh, you like a Leafs goal better than Alex Ovechkin's goal? I, I would argue I like 90% of Ovechkin's goals better than that one, I would argue, because he's not exactly the king of, like, greasy tips. You know, they're mm. all absolute lasers. So, yeah. yeah. All right. I don't know how we ended up here. I actually do, because every time this goal, the, this goal enters in my mind, I have to complain about how overrated it is by everybody. But not us, apparently, so we can move on. No, we... Yeah, we don't. Um, so let's uh, let's answer a couple of questions yes. headed towards tonight's game. How about this? Mm. We had Anthony Petrielli on yesterday talking about the penalty kill and how porous it's been mm. as far as the actual goals allowed, but also just like eye test wise, doesn't look so great Mm-mm. right now. Clicking along at seventy seven point six percent now. Ilya Samsonov has also is has changed the narrative slightly. He's mm-hmm. on a, a personal four game winning streak. We don't know who's going to get the start tonight, which might be part of uh, a, a question to come in the mm-hmm. in this segment. But okay, what's the bigger concern for this Leafs team right now? Goaltending or the penalty kill? They're obviously super tied at the hip. I think right now the bigger concern is penalty kill. I think you're getting some saves right now from Ilya Samsonov. I don't want to overstate it. I don't even want to talk about it too much for for fear that it goes away at at any given instance, but you're kind of getting some saves right now. It's the penalty kill, and it's what we've talked about all year with it being a bit of a roster construction issue as opposed to just a performance one. I mean, David Camp is a guy that should, should be excellent to killing penalties for you. It just hasn't worked out this way. Now, I think part of that is... The guy, now, not that it was swimming before this, but his his most common partner throughout this Leafs era has been Yarncroc, and a lot of that, he's been missing time. So I think you miss Yarncroc, and he does affect that, but it's not like the penalty kill was perfect before then. And this goes to them having a lack of defined roles. It seems like when they really get in trouble in a game or they feel like they need a really big kill, it's the power kill they send out there. It's Marner and Nylander or Marner and Matthews or Camp with one of those three three, three guys. So I think that's the still far and away the bigger concern to me. And I haven't even talked about the blue line there. Like Giordano's been a guy who's been killing penalties for this team. That's not going to get any better the later this, this goes in, into the season. TJ Brody's not really that kind of defenseman. I like Benoit there, but there's a reason he was found money this season. And it's because he has some flaws to his game. So penalty kill is 
far and away right now a bigger concern. I still think goaltending has the bigger chance to do them in as the season goes on because it's goaltending and it's just one of the pillars of a hockey team. But right now, penalty kill, far bigger concern for me. It, it is for me as well, but that's only because right now the goaltending is good. Otherwise, I would say if both were going poorly, it would be the goaltending because the goaltending you can do little about. That's it. These are your goalies. That's yep. what no, they think. It. It's like, okay, we're, we're getting UC Saros now? Probably not. No, the Hilda Beast. That's who's coming. Yeah. So I, and they are correlated and and the Leafs save percentage on the penalty kill hasn't been outstanding but again watch the the kills that yep. they have watch the way the opposition snaps it around um they're integrating guys that are not used to killing penalties and yeah. William Nylander did score his third shorthanded goal of the mm-hmm. season the other night so so that's a positive you're right like the the, the possibility exists of of a shorthanded goal with some of the talent they put out there. Austin Matthews as well has been yep. part of killing penalties Marner, this yep. season. But yeah, that that is an evolving thing. Like like we've seen the power play turn into the best version of itself recently. Mm-hmm. The possibility still exists that this penalty kill gets better as the season goes along. If the if the goaltending stinks, yeah, you, you got no recourse. Yeah, and that's why I still that's why I say I do still think if you're gonna. If you're asking me what is the more concerning thing right now, February 21st, it's the penalty kill because it is the thing causing them problems right now. But I'm with you in that there are, you can try other things. You can throw different solutions at it. Like, you know, Noah Gregor is a guy who's been killing penalties. I don't think that's happening in the playoffs for for this team. With your goalies, you're kind of stuck. Now, you know, again, there are worse places to be stuck. Samsonov obviously has been a disaster at various points in time. He's kind of found his game. There are a lot of teams that would kill to have three, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to the health of Joe Wall in a second here, and you can quibble with how viable an option Marty Jones is at this point in time, but three kind of viable options right now in Ned, and Samsonov and, you know, Wall right on the precipice of being healthy, and Jones here. I'm not saying you want to, those are three viable options to go in a playoff series as your number one guy, but to start for you on any given night right now, I, I think they, again, especially with Wall appearing closer anyways here, it does seem like they're that they have enough kind of different cards to play at that position right now. All right, let's have the Joe Wall conversation. If, if, you, if he's just healthy, right, yeah. you can just pick and choose sure. and you can just plop him into whatever game you want here upcoming. Where would be the ideal spot for Joe Wall to make his return to action? Hmm. I'm I'm because th- on one hand I do just want to throw him in the fire and say you know what go play the cup champs on the road in the back half of back to back and the 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 way we've always gone about it is you play the good goalie on the first half and then hey good luck to the backup on the second half eh, Joe Wall's not your average backup now I don't know what version of him you're gonna get the problem is there's just no soft landing spot here and I don't know that you want one if it's not gonna be tonight. There's no soft landing. You got Golden Knights, Avalanche, Golden Knights, and then Coyotes again. I don't think you're, you're waiting, waiting that a long. whole other week. If so, he's on the trip, exactly. he's got to be close enough. I think you you got to go tomorrow night then. I, I, I do. I think that you throw him into a game against the Coyotes, and on one, you should say, hey, this should be easy. These games almost never are. For whatever reason, we talked about it. The Matthews numbers, is fu- it, there's only three teams in the league he's a dash against in his career. Mm-hmm. This is the most, a dash six, and he just, again, he just has the five goals in 12 games played. A lot of guys would kill for that number. 
I think you go Golden Knights tomorrow and you say, Joe Wall, if you're the guy you are, you expect to be, you are, you're back, you're healthy. Let's let's see it. Let's go. Let's roll with it. I think that's the move. I don't I don't like throwing him in tonight against the the Yotes if he's healthy. I like throwing him in tonight. To me, it's tonight. And I don't I guess it's possible that it is tonight. It's possible yeah. it is tomorrow. Again, he's not on this road trip. He's not practicing in full. Uh, he's not ramping up to the degree that mm-hmm. he has been if he's not on the verge of playing and you're not waiting to come back from this road trip. I think he's making his return on this road trip. So it's either tonight, it's either tomorrow against Vegas, it's either Saturday in Colorado, and then they return home to to, to play Vegas again next week. I It's one of those three games and I think perception is reality with these back-to-backs mm-hmm. that the best goalie or the goal, your yep. number one gets the start in game one, and then you just try and salvage whatever you can in the back end of the back-to-backs. And Ilya Samsonov has kind of re- revived his career to the degree mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, kind of an open tryout again to be this team's number one goalie. Yep. But I think what existed at the beginning of the season still exists now, that this team wants Joseph Wall to be the number one goalie in the postseason. They want him to be the number one goalie in the postseason and have success and mm-hmm. then have this guy making less than a million bucks as the number one starter next yep. season. Yep. But I also think they look at the skill set and what he's done at the, the National Hockey mm-hmm. League level when he's been healthy, which yep. has been the biggest question mark. Hugest. And and they say that guy's got the higher upside. Despite us seeing what we saw at uh, Ilya Samsonov last year, I think what we're seeing this year, part of it might be the, the arbitration hearing and the mm-hmm. mental side of it, whatever. Combine the two seasons, he's been essentially what he's been throughout his entire career in these two seasons as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Joe Wall, all he's done at the National Hockey League level has been a well above average goalie. I think they want him to be the number one. I think they're going to treat him as the number one. And if you're going to treat him as the number one, that means he gets the start in the softer part of the schedule on the back-to-back. I think he will be the number one when all is said and done with this team. I, th- I agree with everything you said that, again, go back and listen to Keith's comments. And this isn't from a month into the season. This is from three games into the season, the way he talked uh, about Wall and, and the place he wants him to occupy here. I, and, you know, we have this conversation about the team at large all the time of do you look at every single game as game seven of the Stanley Cup final where you have to get your two points or you'll die or do you look at it as a long road? How much do you have to weigh in? And I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm rolling my eyes at this comment, but how much do you have to weigh in what's best for Elias Samsonov? Like, do you, is there a world where, and I, I don't know that this would happen, but I don't think you can rule out the possibility either where you undo the good and building them back up that you've done of throwing them to the wolves to lack of a better on a back more, half of a tired team with a tired team and a golden Knights team that's waiting for you. And yeah, I know they haven't been perfect lately, mm-hmm. but how much do you need to, to a certain extent? And the hope would be that you really quickly build Joe wall up. So who cares how Samson, I feelies are on any given day, but I don't think we can just completely throw that away right now. How much do you have to care about that as part of the equation? What's more important? Ilya Samsonov's feelings which again may or may not have impacted his play earlier this season or he just might have been a guy that was Mm -hmm. regressing a little bit after an incredible outlier season unlike one that he's ever had in his entire career despite being a first round pick last season a guy that was not tendered Mm -hmm. a qualifying offer by the team that drafted him in the first round um what's more important protecting his feelies or protecting joseph wall's ankle right (laughs) And, and i know eventually like the the Gloves are going to be have to be off with him, and you just play him against all comers. But, boy, in that first game, would, would I necessarily want him making 50 saves? 
Probably not. I got I, I would I would like to ease into things a little bit, especially considering again, the one knock against him throughout the course of his entire professional career has been the health. To me, it's protecting Joe Wall at all costs. And yeah, I mean you'd like to do both, but sorry, he's the priority over Ilya Samsonov. I guess I I'm, I'm, this is why I'm such a big believer in Wall over Samsonov, is that the health thing for sure, who knows, right? But if you're worried about him getting hurt in a game against the Golden Knights, then guess what? He's not healthy. Like, if that's an actual concern you have, then he's not healthy. But I think Joe Wall can get five hung on him in his first game back and go, okay, yeah, I'm going to go read my journal from the Swiss Alps. I'm going to call Josh Cloak and read it to him. Like, <laughs> I think that's what, that like, that's the way he would handle that. And that's why I think... That's exactly why I'm a believer in him to be the number one guy and be able to handle all of this. So that's the other part of it is that I think you can throw as difficult a challenge as possible at him and not to say he's going to, you know, stand up. There's a reason, there's a question mark as to what he is still as a goaltender in this league. But I think he's so much more able to handle the negative side of it, the downturn, if it doesn't go well, then there's a case, I think. And you might lose him anyways in this stretch. Guess what? Samson's going to have to play a good team. If you if he's still a goalie on this team, you might lose him in this stretch anyways. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you need to, if you have your druthers here, if it's one or the other, I don't know that you need him to throw him to the wolves, he being Samsonov that is the cup champs. All right, let's do one more Leafs question. Mm. Who's the Leafs' second most valuable player? I think we understand who the most valuable is. The guy yeah. who's going to score maybe 74 this season. Who's the Leafs' second most valuable player? God, it's... Because uh, if you would have asked me this question before he got suspended, I would have said Morgan Riley in spades. Mm-hmm. I would have. I just, like, this is not a knock on Mitch Marner and what he's done or William Nylander's season. But from a value perspective, I would say, well, you take Morgan Riley away, he's best defenseman. Look at this team. But it's kind of hard to make that case when they've performed the way they have without him, I think it has to be Marner. We we can sit here and say it's Nylander. Look at what he was able to do. He kind of drives his own line when Tavares has been a declining version of himself. But if Matthews is the most valuable guy, the most important thing to this team is keeping him going. And I'm not saying far from it that Matthews is a Marner creation or anything mm-hmm. along those lines. It's the best version of the two of them playing together. If, if the Leafs had a goaltender that you know, held the fort for, for long stretches of the season. I could easily make the argument for that guy. I think it has to be Barner for me though. I think, I think it's Nylander. I think you're, you're splitting hairs here though, but I I think now that Nylander does play in all scenarios and, and boy, there's numbers to suggest that he's been the better penalty killer than Marner, not just scoring the goals, right? Like it's goals against on the penalty kill too. Look at what Nylander is as a player. Like I know we roll our eyes at some of the stuff from earlier in his career, but he's strong as an ox. He wins every battle. Mm. He's fast. He's lightning quick. He can win all the races. Like there's no, there's no parts of the game. He shouldn't be elite at honestly. And then the postseason numbers too. Like, yeah, yeah, this is, Oh, I mean, if we're doing, if we're doing, retroactive postseason contributions then I would like well, to but, change my answer. Well, no, I, I think I'm thinking about going forward. Yeah. Like, who's more likely to continue to produce when the games get tougher? And I think it's William Nealon. I, I don't think, I think everybody's so far back from Matthews that of it's, course. It's, it's it's not a, a, a super, it's not a take I have like full-throated, like real mm-hmm. takes on. It's, it's it's fine. I do think it's, it's Nylander, but yeah, I I, th- I think you can easily make the case for Mitch Marner. For me, it's mm-hmm. it's William Nylander and and the deployment that's happened for him this season, and especially now if he's going to be separated from John Tavares and he's going to be asked yep. to 
to drive a line that that has none of the other core four forwards on it. Yeah, it's it's Nylander. Yeah, the the thing that got me thinking about this is that, you know, the MVP, we've done the thing of, oh, this race is over and then another guy's in. But, you know, you look at your kind of group of McKinnon, Kucherov, McDavid, Matthews, you know, McDavid has another Hart Trophy winner on his team in Leon Dreisaitl. Mm -hmm. Nathan McKinnon has a guy who, it's a shame he plays defense or he'd get to get Hart Trophy votes too in Kale McCarr. Like what he's able to do there. The gap in terms of a talent of what Kucherov's got. And again, uh, no one's saying Braden Point and Steven Stamkos uh, stink, okay? Much like no one's saying Mitch Marner or William Nylander stink. But it was was jarring to me when I was thinking about that and how that... Because this MVP race... It's a very different one than the one we've had in the past where you just kind of do counting stats. Everybody has a case yeah. that can be made where you go, ooh, that actually is unassailable. Like, I, I sent you guys the thing last night about point percentage of these guys against playoff teams and Kucherov's percentage of his points well against good teams. It's insane mm-hmm. what he's done this year. And that's a pretty good argument for me of MVP. But if Austin Matthews has 75 tucks, I think that's a good one too. Connor McDavid starts the year as the de facto MVP, and we've been giving it to Nathan McKinnon for two months now. So I think it's going to be one of these MVP races where these kind of wishy-washy things really come into play much more than in the past. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. I think if you score 75 goals and your team is in a playoff spot and firmly there so, and you're one of the best scoring teams in the NHL, you should probably win. But I agree. Uh, and I'm not just saying that as a guy who put a couple bucks on him like several uh, months ago. It just feels like the narrative is like, ah, okay, he already won his as the guy that did the incredible goal scoring thing. We're going to do that again? It's like, nah, it's beyond that. But yeah, and you probably should. Like 75 or 70 plus is so, so stupid. All right. Palette cleanser before we talk mm. to Sam McKee. Yes. Around the American League East. So there's not a lot that you can point to as far as the roster construction around the Blue Jays that mm-hmm. makes you optimistic about this not season. A ton. No. It's like, yeah, fangrafts Start, starting wrote, pitching though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about the guys that were here last year taking steps forward and the pitching staff remaining the same, which is hey, it doesn't mean that it's not possible. It's just could happen. It's just like it's hard to make the 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 argument with evidence that the Blue Jays are better than last year. Fangraphs had a write-up on, mm. hey, we went from Shohei Otani to, like, Daniel Vogelbach, right? Like, that's... Who's sexier? I don't know. Yeah, Hard it's, to say. It's, here's the argument you can make, though, <laughs> or here's something that'll make you feel better. Okay. The Boston Red Sox still Sorry. exist, and Rafael Devers got paid back when the Red Sox were giving out money to people. They weren't even doing it then. I actually, I had long bandied about the idea that that was the Chappie replacement, that that was like they're, they're going to be this organization's next big swing because the Red Sox just refused to pay anyone anymore. Well, and it seems like the Xander Bogart thing was smart in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, Mookie they, Betts, maybe? Let's yeah, see. not as smart. Um, yeah, and they traded away one the of the guys they it, got. Yeah. <laughs> in that deal and Alex Verdugo to a division rival. Strangely. Anyways, the, the Red Sox operate in a very bizarre timeline because their ownership is part of the group that's throwing $3 billion at the PGA Tour. They own Liverpool. They have LeBron's interests involved. in other things <laughs> other than the thing that is part of their name, Fenway Sports the Group. Penguins? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. But clearly the Red Sox are taking a, like a backseat to some of the other things. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Which is great, honestly. uh, Man, I can't wait because these things happen in cycles. Yeah. The Boston sports scene had such an incredible two-decade run. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it's going to end. Of course. 
And the Bruins are still in the mix, but... Frankenstein's monster, yeah. Yeah, okay, but they lost in the first round last yeah, exactly. year after their incredible no, that's what regular I mean. like, they're season. They're scary, but it's like, yeah, they're more lumbering around than scary, scary. Yeah, we know the Patriots are done-done. They're done-done. Uh, speaking speaking to a Patriots fan, uh, just beware when they when we get a quarterback right, this year. Simmer down. Okay, you're not wrong. Let's but take like, it easy. Watch okay? out. Uh, no, Patriots boys. are done-done. <laughs> And the Red Sox, I mean, they finished well up the track last season. They could hit, but they couldn't pitch. Their biggest addition was Lucas Giolito, who, I mean, you look at the poll of like the most, uh, the the contracts mm-hmm. are going to be the most regrettable. Yeah. And I think a lot of votes are going towards that Giolito two-year yeah. contract. A guy had an ERA of nearly five, was traded away at the deadline, had played for two teams after the White Sox last year. It was abysmal in both. Yeah, wasn't he one of the guys that the Angels were like, hey, we're good now. And yeah. then they're like, get, uh, yeah. like go away. <laughs> get, boy! They started yeah. throwing rocks at him, telling yeah. him to run away. No, the Red go Sox live your life. stink. And yesterday, Rafael Devers, because, yeah, when you have guaranteed contract and more than $30 million a year coming your way, you can say whatever you want. He said, we're not doing enough here, Mm-mm. essentially. Through a translator. Yeah. And there's no direct quotes I can say. We have to be in a better position to win. But the implication was that yeah. the front office isn't trying to win, which is clear. So if you want to be happy about your offseason mm-hmm. Blue Jays fans, I would I would point you the, in the direction of Fenway Park. Yeah, that's uh, that's the best that's the best thing you can do as a as a Jays fan this year is look at the misery kind of elsewhere. But you know, the, and if you're going to talk about misery, the Baltimore Orioles are well on their way to a season from hell. I don't actually think it will happen, but we mm-hmm. did the thing. What was it last week when the guy just their their beat reporter there just had seven straight tweets of just injury, 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 soreness, yeah. tightness. So, uh, you know, things never we always talk about it, right? We think everything is so linear in sports. There is easily a world where the Orioles are back to being much closer to the Orioles than what they were last year. You know who thinks so? Yeah. Or not the the Orioles. They're they're not back to being the Orioles, but that they think that there's not a big line of demarcation between them and the Blue Jays. Yeah, I saw the the wind projections there, yeah. The nerds. Nerds on fan graphs have the Orioles and the Blue Jays both finishing at 85 and 77. Yankees finishing at 89 and 73 and the Rays at 87 and 75. And yeah, the Yankees have done some work and mm-hmm. boy, Blake Snell might be on their radar as well. Yeah, it's, losing Michael King sucks, but when you turn him into Blake Snell and Juan Soto. Yeah, yeah. it's a different deal. And the Rays are the Rays, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> Will they ever not be? Nah, Can they have a bad year? Nah, Why not? Nah. You're you're a you're a baseball nerd adjacent mm-hmm. anyways. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Like, why can't because they just be they, bad? They keep. Making these incredible churn trades, right? Yeah. They they keep turning Chris Archer into like Austin Meadows and and great young pitching. Like they keep figuring it out. They're like Bill Belichick on steroids mm-hmm. that they know exactly the right time to trade these guys and they know exactly what they're getting in return. This you should never like Isaac Paredes. Like they yeah. they just find right. these guys. Yeah. All over the place, but it, and you know, and this is like a like a obviously not good topic, but it's like the fact that Wander Franco could just disappear off the face of the earth for their team, and it didn't change a lick. Yeah, pretty like, crazy. Like again, it's like good good riddance. But mm-hmm. there was a guy they were building the entirety of the rebuild around. They gave him the massive contract, and he just disappeared. And they go, okay, that's that's fine. We'll just continue to truck along. It's it's remarkable what they do, and I hate it. I just want to double down yeah. on that as well. <laughs> it's miserable. They play in a horrible ballpark, yeah. and they have no fans there. But yeah, they, but, but they, like, thank God they win. God, yeah, oh, the worst. Frustrating. Anywho, we're going to talk to a man who hates the Rays more than both of us so next. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, he loathes them. He's he's of the opinion they've ruined baseball. Okay, I don't think he's wrong necessarily. 
unlikely we get to baseball with our next <laughs> guest, but we might. Uh, Sam McKee of Real Kipper and Born and Leafs Talk next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sports 590 The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Good morning to our next guest, Sam McKee, real Kipper and born, and Leafstock. Good, good morning. What, what is a normal wake-up for you? Like, how much, how much earlier is this than, than a normal Sam McKee wake-up? About half hour. Okay, that's not so bad. Half hour. So, like, maybe oh, I, I, usually, I usually, you know, the eyes start to crack around 8 a.m. and I start God. to think about what I'm doing, and yeah. You just wake so up, I, eh? No alarm? Wake up. No, no alarm. I, I set an alarm. I definitely you do? set an alarm. Yeah, yeah, I said okay. I said an alarm because I, I would, I would just, I'd lounge around for until ten thirty. Yeah. if I didn't set an alarm. What about so, the, yeah? The, but you got a doggo to feed. Like, yeah, he sleeps. He's, he sleeps later than I do. Oh, so. really? <laughs> oh yeah, he's a lazy. My my it. memories of dog ownership with uh, a dog of similar size. I've never met your dog, but I've seen lots of pictures. I had a miniature pincher. And mm. any movement you made, even if it wasn't like waking up, but like, and he slept in the bed. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, and, and any movement I made that he interpreted it as me getting up, he was like out of the bed and like immediately starts whining about like the food. And then as soon as you take a step out of the bed, it's like it's on. He he's ready to eat. So yeah, I have I have no experience in like the dogs. It's actually exactly what me. it's like living in a house with me. I hear one slight noise. And I'm like, mm, time to talk about the Leafs. What's mm. going on? How are you? What's up? I yeah. will say um, I will say that fat rat is still sleeping in the bed right now. So mm, fat rat. That rat. Good nickname. We won't. We won't tell him you said that. We won't. And we know you love your good. beloved Lou Dog. He, he he's can the, hear you. He's all good. Uh, are so the Leafs up, boys? Uh, well, not a whole heck of a lot. Just doing a radio show yeah. uh, that yeah. you're on right now. Uh, are yeah. the Leafs good? Okay. <laughs> are the Leafs good? We we had this discussion. Uh, was it yesterday? Who knows? The, the days all run together. Every every other day uh, yeah. since October. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But I we laid out the case pro and and against the Leafs being in that upper echelon of Stanley Cup contenders. And I think the Eastern Conference don't have a ton of them. Like maybe it's just one team, and it's maybe it's the Panthers. Are the Leafs in that in that echelon of team? I don't think they're as good as the Panthers, and that's the team that probably have to play in the first round. So that's probably not good. But yeah, I think they're good. I think they're. I think they're the same. I think they're the same. Like, I think they're getting a little less production from the bottom six and more production from Matthews. And outside of that, they're pretty much the same. So I, it's hard to like really feel a lot differently. At least this year, they're not locked into a playoff matchup with somebody, and there's like a tiny bit of drama. When it comes to that, I guess, and like there was a bit of a moment where we're like, are we sure they're going to make the playoffs? But that seems to be put behind them now with this four-game winning streak. But if you ask me, like, if they're good, what they are, whatever, they're the exact same team they've been for seven years. So I know that's not the most exciting answer, but there you go. Do you think they're the same as they've been for seven years? Because I feel like this is a, this feels different in that I just don't know what to expect from the bottom half of the lineup. I felt like there were some other 
iterations of Leafs teams in the past where we had a little more certainty there. And, you know, I know Keith's been want to get the blender going, but I feel like the top six, you know, outside of flipping some wingers has kind of been, you know, a little more set. It just feels like everything is so much more in flux this year with the idea of, you know, like we've seen dalliances with Domi and Marner together and Nylander's been on his own line. Like it does feel a, a little different to me in, in that regard. Like how much do you think that is kind of on Keith and a, you know, a inability to find a lineup that kind of works versus on roster construction as a whole? Well, I mean, it feels different because we're in it right now, but look back to before the trade deadline last year and all the flux in the bottom six yeah. and how much we talked about it and the decor when Riley was out and Mac Hollowell yeah, who is now fair. just replaced by uh, Marshall Rafai. It's just, it's very similar. And I'm interested to see what this deadline brings to see if it's going to be similar to last year where they really revamped the team mm. and made it the best bottom six they've had in this sort of, you know, Matthews era. So, We'll see if that happens, but like, I just, I think it's sort of the ups and downs of a season with Keith, where there's been moments where we've all been wondering if he should still be employed. Uh, if there's moments where he should be the coach of the year, where he's coaching this team up, where they don't have their best defenseman and they start getting hot. Like, I just think a lot of the ups and downs in the roster construction, it all just comes down to the four guys again. And the four guys have been playing pretty well outside of Tavares, uh, specifically Matthews and Marner, who have been truly unbelievable over this last month. But yeah, like I don't really think there's anyone to solely put it on. I think it's just the ups and downs of a season. And we're just having a very, very similar season to last year, but just that there's no playoff flux. Like there's the, the, the cast of characters right. below the main guys is different. But I just think that the 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 playoff flux this year is different. Yeah, and you got you guys have been great on that. I mean, it's been uh, Bourne's been kind of banging the drum on on real Kipper and Bourne there. The idea of the the biggest problem for the Leafs has been the fact that it's been two teams, and I do think that is where the the similarities are the biggest from the you know the past couple of seasons into this one of just shit. Yeah, you got your top of the team, and you got your bottom of the team that are kind of kind of mercenaries there. You mentioned Keith. Now I've been. I've been somebody who's understood what a coaching change could do, but I've also not been somebody, you know, as antsy as maybe others to, to make that move. Do you think the ship has sailed on that? Or do you think Tre living sees a world where he says, you know what, I'm not able to shake things up via the deadline, the way I maybe would like to, like, I am kind of of the opinion that ship has sailed on a coaching change in season. Now, are, are you of that belief as well? Well, right at this very moment when they've won four in a well, row, of I course, think right? I, yeah. the ship sailed. <laughs> I think that conversation has has caught went down a little bit, but like, I don't know. They got a Lou tough fi- week coming up here. They could easily did, lose four straight again, right? Didn't Lou uh, fire somebody and go on the bench himself in the last week of the season? Like, yeah. weird things happen. I, I don't see it. I don't think Trillian's going to be taking over. No, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. But I do think that yeah, that ship is sailed. I think it's too late for that now. They are what they are. They're going to be probably in the playoffs and it's tough to fire your coach in Toronto when you're in a playoff spot and the team's like, you know, sort of coming together here. So, yeah, I think the ship has sailed on that. But I, I think that as soon as they start losing again, it's a natural sort of look to he's been here. What is he? The fifth or sixth most tenured? It's like coach? less than that. It's because McLennan got, got oh, yeah, fired. Right. So, so it's like third or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So he's a tenured guy in a city where a lot of people blame the coach. So that, that conversation is going to be coming up. But I really don't. I, if it hasn't happened already, I don't think it's going to be happening this year. But, you know, a first or second round exit, I think we all know what the, oh, yeah, the, for sure. the end is. There's but, no like, question. yeah. But um, I don't think before the end of the year. Mm, okay. Rank these players as far as your confidence in them is concerned. Mm. We're talking about depth forwards here, okay? Yeah, okay. Max Domi, mm-hmm. Tyler Bertuzzi, 
Bobby McMahon, Nick okay. Robertson. Rank those four in order of confidence. <laughs> in terms of what? Confidence. In, in terms of confidence, confidence, like them on the ice. You want them on the ice in a close game, whether it's tied or you're down one or you're up Nick one. Nick Robertson last. Nick Robertson last, mm-hmm. for sure. Feels right. Uh, Sorry, Nick. I mean, I think Domi is going to produce the most offense. So it depends what the close game is. Like, he's just not going to be on the ice in, def- in a defensive situation in a close game. So I guess... It's a tie game. It's a tie okay. game. It's, really it's an offensive draw. It's an offensive draw. Who do you want Who's on he the playing with? Use your imagination a little bit. Okay. Well, there's all there's a lot of context oh to this. Like, I, I, you guys are trying to no, radio no, no. me. Here. These are all these are all fair points, and I promise I two things. I promise we won't radio you, and I promise no one cares enough to radio you. Yeah. Both oh, yeah, that's things. true. Okay. But I, I think I think I go. Domi, Bertuzzi, um, Bobby McMahon, Nick Robertson. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way I, 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 I rattle them fair? off. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably so, where I'm at. I agree with that. How much of your kind of trust or belief or, you know, whatever wishy-washy term that will radio you uh, that, that we're yeah. going to use here, how much of it for Bertuzzi is that he's been able to stay in it, for lack of a better term, while having nothing go his way for the better part of two, three months here. Like, he finally got off the schneid the other day, and, you know, I know he's in a contract year, so it wouldn't be very pragmatic for him, but it would have been pretty easy to have your play kind of go in a tank when you're snake bit the way he was. Like, how much of your belief in Bertuzzi is the fact that he was able to stay with it despite the the big-time slump he had, or kind of still has, he just had one goal? (laughs) I think it's, I just think it's that he's an NHL player with an NHL track record that I think you know, I think that one 30-year goal, a 30-goal year was a pretty big mirage. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to maybe get there again. It's like Vlad's 2021. 20, yeah. Oh, boy. Don't get me started on the Jays. Boy, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yeah. Oh, I did tee you up as a man who hates the Rays is how we teed yeah. you up on the break. Uh, my, uh, you completely, I lost my train of thought. But, yeah, I, I think that Bertuzzi's <laughs> just shown his, his himself to be an NHL player and specifically good in the playoffs when he's had that chance. So I think you stick with him in that scenario. Like, the reason I don't put Bobby McMahon up there, who has been super hot of late, clearly, but, like, this guy's a 27-year-old guy who's in his second year in the NHL, was, like, in the ECHL very uh-huh. recently. But he's, he's looked good. He's I, looked good and he's confident right now and everyone's calling him Bobo and he's getting the belt and everyone's mm. fired up. But like, if he was part of a trade, I would be so fine with that. Right? Yeah. Like if, oh, yeah. if, if, somebody's, if somebody is like, oh, that Bobby McMahon as a part of a package for a really good player or a better player than Bobby McMahon, sure. die. Well, yeah. Like, no, right? if, if you, if Bobby McMahon is returning a player that's better than Bobby McMahon, hard well, to said, argue with okay, that one, no, Sam. Let me throw, let said, me throw this I said, at you. I said as part of it there, uh, big brain. <laughs> who would you... <laughs> open your ears. Who would you... And obviously value goes into part of this, but who would you feel more comfortable? Like, you'd feel way more comfortable, I imagine, moving on from Robertson than McMahon because Robertson still feels like kind of a very particular role on a team despite the strides he's made where I can see McMahon kind of fitting well, in in several different and spots. And it's, it's like... Like, yeah, Bobby McMahon's been in the E, but he's also scored 24 goals uh, in 61 games with the Marlies and then 21 in 30 last season. Like, th- there is, like, an emerging goal scorer there, maybe. Oh, you're all in on Bobo is what I'm getting. I'm, I'm, I'm just you, getting you more there. The Bobo. You I'm love getting the Bobo. more there. I, I love the story, too. I love the story for sure. Uh, would My ideal scenario for Bobby McMahon 
is that the Leafs were good enough where they could mix him in and out in a playoff series. That would be my dream scenario for the Leafs, but it looks right <laughs> now <happening>. that <laughs> he is like playing on their second line. So that is more of a concern about where the Leafs are at depth wise. But yeah, I think for what this team needs in terms of like a role guy, Bobby McMahon is more valuable to them than Nick Robertson is like Nick Robertson is not a bottom six type of guy. You're trading him to a team that is not good where he can move up the lineup and play on a top, you know, in a top six winger where he's going to get some production or whatever. He's just never going to have that on this team. Like they've tried him with Willie and Tavares. They've tried him Mm -hmm. with the other guys. It just doesn't work. So yeah, I think I'd be more comfortable moving. I listen, I'd be very comfortable moving Robertson. I would move pretty much anyone involved with this organization to make this team better. Like really other than, other than Easton Cowan, I guess, but I still would probably do that if it was the right thing. So I think, yeah, of course I, you would. He's a knight. You're like, get this guy out of here. Yeah. I mean, he's also the best player in the OHL. So he's I gotta, on. you know, I gotta admit the feet on that one. He has been on fire. It, it, there's not a day that goes by that. I don't see some gif of an incredible cow and goal or assist or just scrappy yeah. puck battle one. Yeah. It'll be uh it'll be nice uh, to, to get him in the fold. Should he survive this, this trade deadline? And I think, I think he will there. It's, it, it's too bad. Like the Gavrikov isn't available from Columbus this year. Robertson feels like a perfect jacket. It's like, go over there. You can hang out with Goudreau and then you can make some type of type of move there. Uh, in yeah, terms it feels of like a good flame. Mm, yeah, I, I could see it little. They've had, they've had success with the smaller, scrappier uh, kind of guys there. The, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I do wonder if Conroy just seems hesitant to make that deal with, with the Leafs. Uh, but Probably. We'll, yeah, I would agree. It's well, very fair. Yeah. Uh, last one from me, Joe wall on the verge. Maybe he's healthy. Who knows? I don't know. He's been practicing with the team. It feels like for a month now and uh, who knows when he's ready. Let's say he's healthy and could play today. Uh-huh. Would you put him in tonight? Would you give him the back half of the back-to-back against the Golden Knights? You know, there's outside of these two Yotes games, there's not really a soft spot to put him in. I don't know that you need to. Let's pretend Joe Wall is healthy as of this afternoon. When would you want to see him get in the net? Uh, I don't think he's going to play in this back-to-back. Okay. I that's not sexy. But that's fine. I, I, think, I think that the Leafs have um, really given themselves a little bit of leisure. And I think they want to be as cautious as possible with Joe wall. I would be surprised. Like if I had to pick it, he would be playing tonight clearly because you don't want the, the guy coming back from a very weird ankle injury to be playing the second half of a back-to-back against the Vegas golden Knights. You'd want him in there tonight. And then you'd throw Elia to the wolves tomorrow, I guess. But to me, I bet you it's Elia tonight, Martin Jones tomorrow night in Vegas, because I think Mm -hmm. it's just, like we saw what happened to Joe wall. It's one of the weirder injuries I've ever seen where he's been out for what, when's the last time he played? When was that over a like month? Been, Two. Oh, it's been three. It feels like it's been like three months. I yeah. don't know when it's been it's when early December. I thought, yeah, but it was just like a nothing play that hasn't put him out for half mm. the season. So I think they want to be super cautious with him, but here's, what's been nice about Sansonov. It's bought you some time with wall. You don't have to rush Wall back anymore. You're not rushing him back, but he's practicing in full and he's on the trip. Like he's going to play soon. Yeah, for sure. But I I think there's, you know, they've always taken extra game, this organization. They have the 17 people in the sports science department that they have to justify the roles and justify their paychecks. They'll be like, ah, one more game will do it. Right. Like it's, (laughs) it's the, the cooks in the kitchen theory here. So I would be surprised if he plays in this back to back. Maybe he does tomorrow. I feels like a big ask to have a guy coming off. Um, you know, the, the long time off to play against the Knights in the second half, but we'll see. But, uh, yeah, he's practicing for sure. But uh, I'm just, I think 
the thing, not even rushing him back is to be the starter. Like think about where they were two weeks ago with their goaltending or whenever before Samsonov mm-hmm. came up, you'd be rushing them back then. Mm-hmm. Wall now, you can just ease him back in. You can play him sort of as the pseudo backup, see what he has. And if he sort of starts to take it, like you have a real two-goalie scenario here with Samsonov, who's been one of the better goalies in the league since he came up. So mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a nice problem to have for the Leafs where we were, our hair was on fire with goaltending there not that long ago. I'm old enough to remember my own take uh, in which I, I gave Martin Jones a more than 50% chance of starting game one of a postseason series. I remember that. Wow. How's that feel that now? That is a take. Would Love you, that take. Should we no, give him a I'm chance to that. amend it? Should we give him a chance? I, no. <laughs> no? It's a great take. Uh, I'm you. into that. Like, yeah, at the I was time, fine with it. Yeah. it was topical. Very I, good. Uh, yeah, no, I had, I had no problem with that take in <laughs> the moment. Uh, but turns out Martin Jones is Martin Jones. So, yeah, there's that. Well, yeah, with that, I got yelled at so much about that. I don't know why people were so bent out of shape about Martin Jones. I was like, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. This is going to stop. And they're like, whoa, it's maybe he's finding it. Man. Yeah. I'm like, guys, please. And so, it's it's happening. But that, that mocking voice you just did, that was Ben when he was saying it was going to be 50%, just for the record. He was like, maybe he's finding <laughs> I, it. I, I mean, the argument at the time was more uh, <laughs> like disparaging the other two. It's really dudes. his argument about the the Chiefs and the AFC is uh, all over exactly. again. I'm just was, like, these other guys suck. Yeah, so. and the one guy who doesn't suck is always hurt. And guess what? Yeah, he's hurt again. And uh, perhaps going to come back tonight. We'll see. Sammy? Great Pleasure, stuff, boys. Love you, bud. I Can't really wait. enjoyed it. Can't wait to listen to four today. You Anytime. know my favorite. All right. Anytime. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Sam McKee, Real Kipper and Bourne. And Leafs Talk, Leafs and Arizona Coyotes tonight at 10 o'clock on Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan and Sportsnet. Good luck to him. We think we have a late night. We get to go to bed when the game ends. Mm-hmm. Not him. No. All right, time now for The Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, 19-plus bet responsibly. Leafs and Coyotes. The Coyotes have lost 10 consecutive hockey games. Only one of those games not in regulation. So nine of the 10 games that they've lost consecutively, all regulation losses. Uh, They stank right now. Uh, Leafs, quite good. Mm -hmm. Looking to run their record to 5-0 without Morgan Riley. Moneyline uh, representative of the disparity between the two teams. Leafs minus 222. Coyotes plus 180. The total six and a half, Brent. Let's go under. Leafs have liked to button it up as of late. You think the Arizona guys are going to go in there and light it up. That's not necessarily how it's worked for the one Arizona guy that we've seen do this before. Uh, They're going to have the Melka between the pipes for the Yotes tonight. I've seen that movie before. He's been terrible as of late, but he's never terrible against the Leafs. Uh, So give me the under there. Six and a half the total. You get it at a plus 105. Feeling good about that. You have a Melka as an 872 save percentage. Yeah, no, but I saw him play the Leafs. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and this is counter to everything we've know, understood about this Leafs team over the last mm-hmm. decade or so, but hey, they put it on the Ducks at home. Yeah. Maybe they're turning over a new wow. Leaf when it comes to beating bad teams. I'm not taking the money line here, Okay, but I, I don't hate the Leafs minus one and a half okay. plus 105 without Morgan Riley. Again, like the narratives are just, they're building to yes, a boil they are. here. Boy, are going they. five and oh without Morgan Riley and then losing immediately upon his return. I like uh, the Leafs on the puck line in this game. And that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, 19 plus bet responsibly. When we come back, talk to a man who uh, knows what it's like to be on the bench to watch a historic goal-scoring season. Bruce Boudreaux next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.